Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I am here today with two competitive athletes in the sport of CrossFit. And um, we have our very own coach, Anna McGuire, with us. Hey, Anna. Hi. Uh, and we have the infamous uh, James Grundler on the podcast today. He's uh, tuning in. Where are you, James, right now? Arizona? I'm in, in Phoenix, yeah. He's in Phoenix. Tuning in from Phoenix. Um, both Anna and James just recently competed in the Waterpalooza event in Miami, um, which if any of you got to see some of it, it was a fantastic event. Uh, probably one of the best kind of like CrossFit events I've ever kind of seen, you know, in terms of everything put together, um, the, the, how fun it looked, the energy of it. And also like just from a coverage point of view, it was pre- pretty well covered. So it was, it was good to see. So I want to kind of delve in a little while into the Waterpalooza itself, uh, the competition, what it was and how it all went down. Uh, but first of all, I want to introduce you guys to, to James and Anna. And James, I want to start with you because uh, some of our listeners have heard from Anna before, and they're a little bit, a little bit more familiar with her, but uh, probably not quite so familiar with you. So uh, let's tell everyone how you found the sport of CrossFit, how long you've been doing it, and, and kind of like where you're at in the sport. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Uh, well, <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna take you way way back. Way way let's, back. Let's put I the, hear all about uh, it. Yeah. So uh, my upbringing has always been very sport and competition driven uh, ever since I was five years old. So I started, my father got me and my older brother, Bill, heavily into sports right from the beginning, not to, you know, push us and, oh, come on, let's go, let's get there. It was, it was the sport, the competitiveness and making it fun. Yeah. And that was that was the most important thing about it. I think that's what gives you longevity when you whatever sport you do. You got to make it fun as a little kid. So anyway, we started with swimming and we started swimming competitively, especially growing up in Phoenix, Arizona, when it's ridiculously hot and my folks were working in the summer. They gave us a place to go basically to babysit us. <laughs> well, right. hey, my dad was working construction. My mom was school teaching. So um so from there on, we took to the competitiveness of swimming and actually had a pretty successful career as little kids would. Mm. And then we moved on to the sport of wrestling, which is my dad's main bread and butter, and uh, took us to a practice, which he was the local high school coach at the time, and <clears throat> took us to the practice and, and asked us afterwards, hey, do you guys like? you guys like this. Did you have fun doing it? And of course we just loved it because we're rolling around like monkeys and just being silly and just having a ball. So that being said, going forward, we just were always involved in sports. We did swimming and we did wrestling and we did track and field and we're always being athletically inclined, just always enjoyed it. Tried a numerous other different things like triathlons and things like that. Um, Bill, when we, well, we both graduated high school, we were state champions, uh, went to college. We both wrestled in college. Bill continued. I dropped out of school. (laughs) I'm trying to make this a long story short. Uh, I got to give Anna a lot of time here, you know, now it's all the time as much time as you want. So, uh, long story short, I not only was into 
athleticism and competitiveness and sport. I also was musically inclined. So I was playing music and I played drums and guitar and stuff since I was a little kid as well. So I was involved in a lot of things. And I dabbled a lot across the board. And I was always fairly good at those things that I dabbled in, whether it was skateboarding and BMX. You're one of those annoying people that's kind of good at everything. Yeah, it was kind of like that. But I wasn't great at basketball. That was the one thing I just wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't too too keen on that. My eye hand coordination with like darts, pool, basketball, even bowling, not great. Not Don't great. ask me to be on your bowling team. Bad with not anything that- shaped. <laughs> Do you you guys have a Pharaoh's bowling team? No. Not yet, but I'm I'm I down. Do. I love I bowling. I think you should. I love bowling. I just suck at it. Anyway, so uh when I got into school, <clears throat> things just didn't go the way I planned on it going. Uh, I had a vision in my mind ever since I was a little kid, what it would be like growing up, going to college. I wanted to go to Penn state. I wanted to wrestle on that level, division one NCAA and go to that whole, you know, essence of the sport and, you know, follow my dreams. I wrote down when I was a little kid, I wanted to be on the 92 Olympic team and mm. all this kind of stuff. So I had like lofty goals. And when I got to college, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be like. It wasn't as hands-on from the coaches as it was when my dad was my coach. Right. And that was very hands-on. He took the time and I thought that that you would gain that same type of attention when you went into the university level. Now, I wasn't naive to think that that's what it was, but it just it wasn't it didn't really fit me. We Got just kind of had odds. Um, so from there, I went to the junior college, the local junior college up in San Luis Obispo after I attempted to do the university thing. And I wrestled there and uh, California doesn't have a national uh, J- junior college uh, tournament. They have a, just a, a statewide because there's so many junior colleges in, in California. They lump it all together and they have a state championship. So I, I placed fifth in the state, the California junior college state championship thing, which is not shabby, but it, it's still not the NCAA. It's not what I wanted to do. So I dropped out of school. Grades weren't great. Dropped out of school, started to pursue my music career and just meeting the local kind of hooligans around the town at the coffee shops yeah and i felt i needed to rebrand myself recreate this character instead of being this athlete guy i had to be the artist guy the band guy yeah band guy and and it was such a trip to almost take that athlete and put him away in a box yeah. i had to like pack him up put him away because I, I didn't feel that playing rock and roll music <clears throat> was so. the right arena for like a jock or something like that. Got it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. It's so interesting that you say that. And I'll tell you a funny story. So sure. when I was when I was kind of growing up, I had a very kind of similar story. I kind of had this like internal battle between my physical self and my artistic self. Yes. And I remember writing this song when I was in my early 20s called The Ram and Fiddler. And it was like I had the ram part of myself, which was like the the physical guy, and then I had the yes. physical part of myself, which was the the musician guy. Exactly. Like, so you know, there it is. Didn't, I just didn't know where to put my energy. <laughs> well, it was a weird dance, and I I 
felt that it didn't exist in that art realm at the time. Yeah. I have a totally different idea about that now, yeah. but at the time I felt I had to kill off that, that side of me to pursue this thing, like wholeheartedly become that character. I did yeah. that a lot through my, basically my whole life. I would put myself, I would basically create this character i wasn't being i felt like i wasn't really being me i had to be somebody else to do this other thing yeah you know i you're inventing an image almost it, exactly you know. it's all yeah. about inventing yourself and and i would do that while i was wrestling i would pretend i was dave schultz i would pretend right. i was you know so and so dan gable or whoever it was i would pretend i were these great athletes and i would mimic their style and i would do the whole thing it worked. It was a successful way of going about it. But to me, it still felt like that wasn't me, which mm. is weird. It's a weird psychological yeah, yeah. thing. I get it. And the same when I went into the music thing, I had to become a different person, so to speak, a different, a new character. It was always me the whole time. But anyway, that's a whole therapy. Well, session. it's, but it's that, <laughs> it's that, that's the, always that thing between the private self and the public self. And your private self was yeah. very different, but your public self was this image of the musician guy. Yeah. 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 And so I went down that road being the musician and I played in local bands and I played around and I played and played and played and I didn't work and I was living on couches to the point where I was living in a garage, to the point where I was living on top of a roof of a Starbucks Whoa. with a buddy of mine. Oh yeah, it got it got pretty pretty. If I say the story to most people, and even when I say it to myself, I'm like, "Wow, you're an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> but it's things that you have to do to get to where you want to go. These are the sacrifices you have to make to be successful. I felt like I could really be successful in the music world. I felt yeah. like I really could do it. My parents did not. My dad begged and pleaded, you got, just come home, just come home. Just, I'm like, no, I'm going after my dream. <laughs> you know, and I was, and I took that, that dedication from sport, the dedication from being an athlete and sacrifices that you have to make to be a successful athlete. I took that same mindset and I used yeah. it for the, musical path well not, it's true not, like not I mean, knowing not yeah. knowing yeah. but any any like successful musician i mean more so like of the generation that we're from you, you know you read the stories about you know before they were famous yeah. what happened yeah. and it's always yeah. a stories of a story of struggle yeah you don't hear that much anymore no because it's different you don't now, hear that yeah. it's totally different but in the old days yeah you had to earn your spurs more you know you got to earn your stripes and yeah. it was there was a romantic side to it yeah. too you you fell into this jack kerouac kind of for sure. You know, you're you're this you're this vagabond, but you're you don't want to you don't want to taste the good life yet because it's it's inspiring you f for all of the stuff that you're creating at the time. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like this it's a weird place to be in. You want to keep this hobo, you know, lifestyle because it really gives you this art. It, it creates this character, creates this artist and all this stuff. Yeah. If you become successful, it's a trap. Yeah. It's a trap. Exactly. It's like so, why, why the first three albums are always the best albums. Ah, and after that, people get a little bit of money, people <laughs> be a little bit comfortable. And then what do you write about? You know? <laughs> exactly. No, it happens to everybody. It happens yeah. to every artist under the sun. Most, most writers like Hemingway's and people like that or poets, they really resent 
success. Yeah. They, they want it, but they resent it at the same time. And yeah. that's why a lot of them become these, you know, drug well, addicts and, and alcoholics. And everything yeah. I, have, I have a theory kind of like you have to make that transition between telling your story to being able to tell someone else's story really successfully. So the ones that do have longevity, they can take the story beyond themselves and tell someone else's story in, a, in, in an authentic way that still, still rings true to the listener. Sure. Whereas if you, if you try and like keep telling your story when you're a rich man, like, no one wants yeah, it to doesn't to make that. any sense. <laughs> nobody wants, nobody wants to listen to Bono or Mick Jagger. Nobody cares. Right. It's yeah. like, it was great when you were those young kids in the sixties and the seventies and yeah. you were really trying to try, you could see it, you could feel the earnest, you yeah. know, but it just, it gets watered down. It gets harder for sure. Yeah. It gets harder. So moving on. I stuck with it. I used that determination and played around in the in the band scene in San Luis Obispo and traveled around California and stuff. And eventually we moved down to Los Angeles in 96. And basically six months later, we had a record contract with Epic Records and we put out an album and we toured the country and we did all this really one, wonderful stuff. But then the band broke up. Right. So the band breaks up. You have to re reinvent yourself again. And what was interesting about that time is that I also was learning how to be a songwriter at the same time, too. So it was all a school of life teaching how to do it. So what I would do is I would throw myself into everything I could to gather inspiration whether it be drugs and alcohol and you know different groups of people and all kind of, i just was swimming yeah. around in this ooze of of 90s weird, crazy, 90s rock awesome just all of it just <laughs> crazy cd yeah. up all night just figuring it out just yeah. living life through that whole thing yeah uh raving the whole the whole craziness you know um but eventually it takes its toll. And, and I mean, long story short, we signed it with another, I, I got another record deal, did the whole thing, toured the world, did all the blah, 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 put out records. And all that was great. All that was fun until you reach a point and your body just doesn't have the conditioning to keep going down that road. And right. you wind up, you wind up, you're just in tears almost every time that you go out because you're like, it's your body basically saying, can you just, can you just stop? Just, just calm it down a little. Yeah. Just calm it down a little bit. Yeah. So what happened was I started to get more time on my hands because I wasn't touring as much. I wasn't doing the intense kind of ritual of rock and roll. And there was a, when Groupons were first kind of coming out, uh, Brick had a Groupon of all places, which was really funny. Oh, side side note, side note, yes. Side note, Bill, my older brother, he was, after he went to school, he continued through after graduating to be a firefighter. And that enabled him to still kind of explore his athleticism, having to be physically fit to do all this kind of stuff. And he was programming workouts at the time. This was before HQ had anything out. Before CrossFit was putting anything up. Then he stumbled across CrossFit. He became a fanatic. You know how yeah. when everybody does it for the first time, how crazy CrossFitters. At, I mean, I, I, I still see it. When people yeah. first start CrossFit, they become 
Addicted. Everybody, everybody, yeah, addicted. Everybody, everybody seems like they're in a cult. It's just massive they, craziness. They, they go out, they buy the long socks, the tiny oh, shorts, yes, cropped yes. up. Even when, even when their body's not ready yet to do right. <laughs> so he, so he introduced me to this thing called CrossFit, and he was a fanatic. He loved it. I started just dabbling in it. You know, it was like, oh, here's a 2159. Cool. Here's a little imam. Cool. Like little things like that. I was terrible. So, but it, it was still me at the same time dabbling in CrossFit. And it was like, eh, 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 kind of sort of doing it. But I'm also trying to be a rock and roll star at the same time. And we're just kind of like doing this. So I'm like dabbling in it. It was, it was, a, it was this was that fight, the crossroads, basically. Yes. What was, what was happening? Like the and, crux and James, of my what, life. What year was this? Like 2009 or? Oh, this had to have been 2007 or 8. Right. 2007 or so, 8. So fairly early on in the CrossFit. Very, very early on in the CrossFit world. Yeah. Side note, I couldn't even do, I was so out of shape. Like I wrestled on a collegiate level. I wrestled in Division One level. I was on international teams. The point that my body took such a transformation doing the, doing the rock and roll thing, I couldn't even do a pull-up. I needed to use the assisted machine at the LA Fitness. Yeah. I mean, I, I was so far out of shape. It was nuts. So as the music thing started, started to wind down, I started to feel that explosiveness of the endorphin rush that you get from a workout. Yeah. And that was how that, athlete that i boxed away for all those years started popping up like a little clown pop-up there he was the athlete's back and then i was like well shit can we can we live in the same atmosphere together <laughs> right <laughs> and uh i started down that path of crossfit and uh, like i said I got a group on and brick was the first place I started to officially go to. And it was interesting because Bill was already being a competitive CrossFitter. He was going to the regional or before they even had the regional thing, they had their sectionals and yeah. uh, uh, even before that, before it was video submissions, it was just that you would do something online. That's yeah. kind of what it was. Yeah. And then they had the games that were, they just invited people out to Rome. It was a beer and barbecue yeah. fest. And then Bill was, Bill was hooked. Bill was into it. And at that time, he was still the oldest person doing it competitively. Yeah, I remember. And that. yeah, it was really shocking to a lot of people. But most people don't realize that that guy was already training. He was already, he stayed, he, even through college, he still stayed training. Yeah. So he kept that fire going, you know, and a lot of us older athletes tend to walk away from our, our athletic side for what reason yeah. no one really knows maybe injuries or you're just too old and you're just too tired of it so it allows you it gives you some time for your body to basically heal itself and then you can come back to it again and, and then uh, you might have some success with it on an older older scale but uh so bill was into it i knew bill was into it i go to his competitions and it was really fun and exciting to finally get back into that arena of of cheering people on and yeah. being around athletes. And I remember how, <laughs> how silly it was my first time ever going to a CrossFit. This is before I even started doing it for real. But I went to his, I went to his first 
uh, live regional event. I don't know if it was regional. It was held at down in Ful- was it Fullerton. I think it was Fullerton. And it was at this police academy. It was where the first one was. I think Rory McCurran was there. He was competing at the time. And it was in the dirt, like barbells in the dirt. It was dusty and disgusting. But, man, I was like blown away at the way people looked. I was so used to people being so heroin chic and flabby skinny and all this kind of stuff. I come to this event and people are just physically fit. The women are just so gorgeous and, but muscular in tone. And I just went, wow. And I'm looking at myself and I'm just going, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) This this world, I am in the, (laughs) I'm in the wrong, wrong universe right now. Uh, And it was kind of scary to, to, to realize that, wow, it was so unnatural to me to see that kind of, body shape and and people being as as fit as they were and at that time that's wasn't really it wasn't that mind-blowing as it is now it's it's unbelievable how people have gotten now but because i've been in it now for so long and i do it for so, it doesn't it doesn't shock me the shock factor is right. gone right yeah you know like oh they're well, just these are just crossfitters well and yeah. i think i think what it what is um what is true and i think greg glassman said it a few years ago it's like no matter what people say, CrossFit did develop a very kind of specific physique because Absolutely. it was kind of like yeah. it was athletic, but it was all, also muscular and it was also very functional. And it was just a shape that didn't really exist before because you had bodybuilders yeah. and you had yeah. triathletes and you had yes. sprinters and you had, they, they all had physiques. But then the CrossFitter, because they were you know, crossing all these different paths, they developed a very unique physique. And I think it's especially true with women. I think the the female physique that has come out of CrossFit is almost you can't compare it to anything else because it's it's such a specific yeah it, it's look. its own thing now yeah it's yeah. its own thing because you you have a, a a human being now that is capable of doing like you said everything across the board it's not a it's not a long distance runner it's not a triathlete it's not a bodybuilder or a fitness model it's not you know, a, a hockey player or a, it's not in either any of those because it's all of those yeah. at the same time. And, and you have to be able to do all that kind of stuff. And that's it. You're right. It has evolved that human body into its own specific, but I think it's what the human body is. It's really, if you are to do this, this is the, this is the kind of like the residual of what you get from doing multiple different things i think that's what the primary the primary focus of the sport of crossfit really was allowing the human body to do being able to do all this it's having the ability to do all that stuff and you have to train it to be able to have the ability yeah yeah. i mean i i i would i would dare to argue that uh primordial man had a very similar body style because they had to do so many different things yeah i mean yeah. that that whole hunter gatherer thing isn't yeah, just sure. and sprinting but you have to lift heavy objects you have to yeah. do these short well, bursts of, of and, james, and james you know i think that was that was the huge appeal of crossfit in the beginning and mm-hmm. we saw like and it was like it was kind of happening at the same time as the whole paleo diet thing and it was a return totally. to a primal state yeah. and everyone was kind of like 
tired of the the machines and the everything. Yeah, what was his name? Very... Rob. Rob. Uh, what was his name? Rob Who Wolf. did the Rob Wolf? Yeah. Yeah. He, him all... and Glassman were like they yeah. they came out exactly. at the it same all came time. out at the same time, yeah. and it was like it was just a return to to simplicity almost of like yes, let's just get back to like simple things yes. and how the body yes. should be moving in nature and that kind of stuff. And it was yeah. you know everyone was kind of into it at the time, and. From this point, James, how long did it take? Because I remember, and I don't think I've ever told you this, but I, I remember watching, it was the first CrossFit Games that you were in. What what year was that? Oh, God. 2000. Was that 2000? I think I have the, yeah, I have it right here. The, there you uh, go. What's it? 2015, is that what that is? 2015. Oh. Yeah. And I remember, I remember the commentators <laughs> talking about the, the games. And obviously, Bill, 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 Bill had been around for a while. And in their yes. eyes, you'd basically come from nowhere. And it was like, how the fuck does James Grunler like suddenly qualify, like from nowhere, suddenly qualify for the for the for the Masters <laughs> and go to the games? And everyone was like, this <laughs> pretty is pretty much. Everyone was like, it's fucking unfair. And in, like him and Bill have just got these crazy genes. But <laughs> obviously, they well, had, they hadn't seen that you'd been, you know, a, an athlete as a you know. Yeah, I mean, I athlete. that's the thing. Bill, Bill and I, we were we were, you know kind of gifted this lifestyle from a very early age. Yeah. Do we have good genes on top of it? Probably. Our dad was a, a specimen. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he was definitely a specimen. And I think, but I, and I think, I think a specimen in terms of physically, but also gave you that. He that was, yeah, he, he, to me, he was the embodiment of what a true athlete a true competitive athlete. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to twist it. It's like most people can be athletes. You can do all this stuff, but I mean a high level competitive athlete. He was the ideal specimen for that because that guy had the mindset yeah. of the highest level of any sport, professional sport. He had that mindset of I'm going to do whatever it takes to win kind of thing. I gonna, he had the discipline. He had the, the, the wherewithal, the discipline. He knew what it had, what he had to do to get there. And I think he instilled a lot of that character. I think yes. I'm more, I think I'm definitely softer than my dad. My dad was way harder than I, than I could ever imagine being. I think I was more of a mama's boy, but you know, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it is a mind. It, it takes it takes a specific mindset to be. Honestly, good at, I think I think Bill's more like my dad. I think he's right. more like that. He has yeah. this. He has this kind of like no nonsense, black and white. Whereas right. I I kind of like dabbled in this flowery creative world. So I'm like, yeah, but there's also gray areas too. Yeah, yeah, you you have that yeah, more. Uh, yeah, I, you have I, a, a stronger I'm, feminine side. I yes, yeah, I'm more of a a little more effeminate than. Yeah, Bill. speaking of feminine sides, Anna. Uh, let's let's bring let's bring you in uh, at this point. Um, so James, I'm not kind done of, yet. I'm not done yet. What are you no, no, about? we'll come we'll come back to <laughs> James. Don't we? um, so James has kind of got to this point where he's, you know, he's 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 left uh, fitness. He's done the, the 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 rock and roll star kind of thing, and he's gone back to fitness. And he kind of came into CrossFit like a little bit later. Um, how old were you, James? Sorry, when you finally like committed to CrossFit, were you thirty at that point or? Old when, I that, right? when I committed to it, oh no! When did I you was... start? When did you start? Like, when did you start CrossFit? When I started for real, joined a gym and stuck to a gym, which was brick CrossFit. Like, I dabbled in it when Bill started Inferno, 
years before that, prior to that. So that I would have to say probably 2000, I would say the, the probably 2012, 2013 to okay. early 2013. Yeah. So you were what? That was commitment. How old were you then? 43. 43? 43. Yeah. Okay. So James is 43. And Anna, obviously, <laughs> you, you got into this whole thing a lot, a lot younger. Um, yes, but I would almost say so 20, March of 2015 is when I like started at a gym and like stayed with it. So not, okay. not so that similar. far after James. Yeah. But you're coming into it as a younger human being, obviously. Yeah. And that's what he meant, Anna. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, that's what he meant. <laughs> and what, what do you think from your, from growing up the way that you did prepared you for this sport? And why do you think it appealed to you so much? Um, so I actually grew up doing gymnastics. Uh, I think I started that when I was maybe like six or seven. And then I did that until high school. And then I did it a little bit in high school. And then after that, between like leaving high school and starting college, I would just go on runs. I would run by myself and like make myself do burpees and push ups. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And it, uh, it wasn't until my uncle brought me to a CrossFit gym one time when I was visiting him. I think I was like 18. I tried my first CrossFit workout and I was so sore the next day. I like couldn't stand up straight. And for some reason I was like, that's what I want to do. Right. Oh. Yeah. The pain is addictive. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. From, it, from there, I guess. Would I would you, were, you, were, you, were you a competitive person growing, growing up, Anna? Were you competitive in gymnastics? Yeah, I was. Not like at like a really high level, but I was in like one of the, like the first or second years where like you learn routines and you like you get like the leotards and stuff. So I wasn't like like – so amazing but i wasn't terrible like i did but, but like from from a mindset point of view were you, were you a competitive person growing up it wasn't even like competitive it was more of like i want to be like the best that i can be like i want to be like it was seeing like growth was like addicting like i wanted to just like how good could i keep getting i guess i was competitive but, but i was always like what can i do <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's, I, I've spoken to so many people who who have become either very good at CrossFit or became very into CrossFit. And so often the story is, you know, I played rugby as a teenager. When I stopped playing rugby, I had a gap in my life. It's like I used to have this competitive side of myself and I kind of lost it. And then CrossFit came around and I was able to get it back again because it gave me an arena in which to to vent that, that competitive spirit. Um, so it's always interesting when I speak to people because obviously James had it in, in wrestling and in swimming. Um, and when it comes back around, it's like it reignites all those, those sensations totally. you had when yeah. you were younger. And, yeah. you know, I think the same for you, Anna, uh, maybe you weren't such a competitive person, but whatever, whatever was missing or had been missing for a while suddenly came back in and it gave everyone like this, this new space in which to create that or recreate that self that you used to know. So yeah. I think that's a pretty interesting thing about, about CrossFit. And that's well, what really yeah, made it. I, I think CrossFit even also indirectly taps into the, to the ego you know yeah, of the human so. the human psyche it's the ego because everybody wants every most most people that step into a crossfit gym are sizing everybody up they're they want to be the best that whole whiteboard thing and it, it's a natural 
uh, recurrence that happens within the CrossFit world, whether Glassman wanted to turn it into a competitive thing or not. It just yeah. happens because human beings are have egos. Yes. We are naturally competitive. That yeah. is why that's why yeah. it works. I mean, look at Anna, you know, she was like, I just wanted to test myself. Yeah. You know, and, and and that that is that's what most people do. They want to test themselves. There are the few that are like, I want to be the best in the whole room. Right. I want to beat that guy or I want to beat that girl. I want my name to have the best time on it, or I want to be right. the top of the, of the board. Yeah, I mean, that happens as well, too. But I think majority of the thing is I want to, it's, you want to, you want to, you want to see, you want to see what you can do. Well, I, and I think on that point, you have like these, th these insatiable competitors that like, like the Matt Fraser and the Rich Froning, they're like competitive to a fucking annoying Told, degree. Totally, like, yes. If you had a if you had a game of Scrabble yes. with them, they'd be fucking miserably competitive. Yes. It would be yeah. horrible for everybody. They but, they they are on that level that that's why they're they're games champions. Yeah. They yeah. they they are ruthless competitors. Yeah. Ruthless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think almost and I think Rich probably enjoys it for fun now more than the the, the Matt kind of does. But I think I don't know. Almost, <laughs> if you not take after it, this weekend <laughs> i know they came in they came in fifth place yeah but oh really was, oh, I, what was going on in the athlete briefing were you up were you up on the where the athletes were working out like uh, warming up the warm-up area yeah so there was the big group of everybody was hanging out talking about what to do because uh all, the ground was all wet so the the uh, the flooring was wet and they were like what are we gonna do and rich was Rich was like, it's unsafe and we shouldn't have to do shuttle sprints or handstand walks because it's unsafe and blah, blah, blah. And literally, Rich was the one that kind of turned the corner for, for everybody there. Like he was he was playing the game because he knew he had the judge's ears. He knew he had the competition director's ear. He knew he had everybody's ear. And he's like, are we going to get this together? Because I got a flight at 930. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, let's let's take a step back then and let's talk about the Waterpalooza. Um first of all, how did you how did you get to the Waterpalooza? What was the what was the uh, like the qualifying process? And then why and then we'll go into why do you think the Waterpalooza has become so successful and almost not eclipsed the games, but you know, it seems to be almost a more vibrant it's competition cool as than the games. games. That's what I think. Oh, it's cooler than the games. It's way cooler than the games. Okay, so from let's talk about a, how did you guys, from being did you guys get athlete. there? Just an online qualifier. Yeah. Just your standard online qualifier that they have. They do have the thing. If you're a, a, a previous champ, you get the, the golden ticket and you can come back. Or if you won the games, you can go. And was this, was this the first time either of you had been or had you been before? I've been before. Yeah. Been before. I, think I, I think it was 2000. That's where I actually met Jake. I met Jake for the first time. That oh, his, first, his first year oh. at Waterpalooza, yeah, yeah. And have have you noticed a big transition from then to now in terms of the scale of it? Oh man! So the la the first time I went, it I I thought it was a spectacle, big time. I thought it was a a full rave, a fitness rave, you know, Burning Man for CrossFitters kind of thing. <laughs> and, right. And. But all the stuff that they had this time, so they built up the park as well. They made all these big mounds and things, and it was crazy. I didn't, they didn't have that when I was there the first time. At least I could not recall. It was definitely a smaller vibe. The warm-up area for the athletes, 
was by the bay uh, the, the first time I went and spectators were walking by and all this. And like, it was kind of this real, Hey, interactive, very, very community driven and stuff. Whereas this time it was uh, the athletes are way up in this thing. You couldn't get to it. It was all, you better have the right wristband. Oh, it was much that. bigger, much yeah. bigger. The vendors were on top of each other. You felt like you were in this, you know, little rat's maze trying to get around. It was, it was pretty chaotic. Right. But super exciting. I mean, that's the that's the part that I think uh, that people really enjoy is the chaos that goes on in those, yeah. those events. Yeah, yeah the energy of it. That, that chaos brings a certain energy. I mean, imagine like, especially after all this you know, lockdown crap and everything like that. I mean, they had 15,000 people. Yeah. I was going to say, there. I don't know how many people were there, but it was a lot. It was a lot of 15,000. And and that and for a three day pass it was six hundred bucks. Oh, fifteen thousand. Wow. Yeah, it was the most I've ever spent for a competition. It was nuts. The games isn't even ex- as expensive to register as an athlete. Right. That part, the economic. That's a whole nother story. So, <laughs> so let's talk about. So you get that you do your online qualifier, and something that always kind of amazes me. Um, and James, it's going to be a different a different thing for you as it is for Anna, I guess. But the amount of events you have to do in the in the in the four days you were there, three days you were there. How many days was it? Three. It was three, yeah, three days. So you're there for three days, and how many yeah. events did you do? There was six, six, seven, six, seven, six. Yeah. So six, six or seven events. How the fuck do you recover from that? How the fuck do you do an event, recover oh. quickly enough to do another event? And how much of it is about? not getting injured so that you could stay. Well, here's, here's what it, here's, I think Anna's heard me say this and maybe Pete, you have too. like, you don't need to do the heavy, heavy uh, hours upon hours of training all, all year round. You do that two months leading up to your competition because you have to prepare the body. The, the thing that you need to do going into a competition like the games or like Waterpalooza or like the Granite Games or things like that, you have to prepare your body for competition stamina. Mm. It's a totally different thing than just going to the gym and being fit or, you know, that's the problem with most CrossFitters. They overtrain, then they're injured by the time they get to the competition or their body's completely fatigued going into the competition because they just overtrain themselves to death. You need to do that a month to two months out. And that's right. it. And then you need to taper. Yes. So yeah. that being said, I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should also say James is a new dad as well. Right? You just had a baby. Yeah. I mean, I had the baby thing and that's, that's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to use that card for a little while. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, man, it, it really, it really made it. I could totally tell the difference from when I was training for the games or training for the water blues or training for like a big event amount of training I used to do as opposed to what I do now. What I do now is, and bare minimum, I'm, I'm getting in two, maybe three workouts a week. Right. Maybe. And then that's not, you know, even counting, not even getting any sleep on top of that. So recovery is just complete shit. But going in, you could see the difference. You could see the difference of people that, that tuned themselves up because that's what you do. You got to tune yourself up for the for that kind of long distance training. It's a lot of long, you, you can think about it. You're doing, you're doing two workouts a day, back-to-back days. Yeah. Two to three workouts, depending yeah. on what competition you're at. And 
you're also going at 100% each time. It's not like in the gym where you, you, you pace yourself through all your, let's say you're doing three or four right. workouts a day at the gym. Yeah. Okay, I got my strength piece, my accessory, blah, blah. You're pacing yourself. You're not going at 100% yeah. every time you step on the floor. You're not. So, so you can't especially if you're going to be training like that, but you have to prepare yourself for that. And man, oh man, I could see the difference. Even from the first workout, I had gas going up and then coming back around for the last part of the workout. And I just was like, well, there, that it was the strangest thing feeling. I'm trying to pull from wherever in my body energy. And I'm like, is there anything? Nope. Nothing's in there. I'm like looking in closets. basically. <laughs> <laughs> anything in there nope nothing in there oh is it oh it's like a half-eaten uh, ritz cracker shit uh you know, <laughs> right. and 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 that's what you see in in this type of competition and at the games too and and it shows too people a lot especially in the masters side a lot of masters start dropping off yeah and yeah. like four or five of them didn't even show up on the last workout yeah yeah well <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it is it's such it's hard to recover from that amount of intensity. Did you have stuff available like ice ice baths and stuff like that? Was that available? Yeah, to you, you had. To, yeah, well, that's the thing. So you have a one of the sponsors there, a Rosti or Rosti or whatever. They 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 do the games and stuff, and and I think it's fine what they do, and they offer it. It's great, but the problem is when you have two thousand two hundred competitors who you have to fill out a on the waiting list, you know, you gotta, okay, make an appointment. Well, we have an opening tomorrow at three. Oh, that's right. My thing is, yeah. you know, that's well, during my yeah. event. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that, that it sort of works out, sort of doesn't. So you hope, I mean, if you have the money, you can bring a body guy out with you and things like that. We would do that with, for the games and stuff. We bring a dude out, um, kind of work on you every night. Uh, if you need, if you need it, but yeah, I mean, even the ice baths, they were locked up with them. So I, I bought, I bought one of those Thera guns while I was there. I was like, right. shit, man, I need, I need something. something. I don't have anything. I was, yeah. I literally, after the first day, I was like, holy shit, man, I got two more days of this shit. Oh, fuck. This is going to hurt. Yeah. Well, that, for me, that, that seems to be almost the biggest th- thing about it. It's like, it's not, it's not how fit you are in one event. It's how quickly you can recover in time for the next event. And that it is absolutely, it's all about recovery. It is all, you want to see it firsthand. That's what it is at a competition because everybody for the most part, all has the same skills and they're all about the same strength. They're all, it's who has the mental and the physical recovery. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When, when we talk about tapers, cause just so people who are listening uh, are clear, would you, um, if, if everything was like on your side and you didn't just have a kid and everything was like how you wanted it to be, yeah. would you do almost like an event replication, like maybe three weeks out from the competition or two weeks out from the competition where you would do like maybe three days where you were doing two a days to replicate the event itself? And yeah. then you take yeah. kind of like you taper yeah. off maybe with those last couple of weeks, you do like minimal workouts just to keep you like tuned but yeah yeah i i i think if i were to have stayed on a competition schedule uh leading up to the waterpalooza or the games or whatever it is whatever your competition is i think if you're if you're if you're hitting it hard uh two a one to two months out a week before two weeks before you do a simulation yeah 
And then you just stay in tune because you're not going to lose at that point. You're not going to lose, lose strength. You're not gonna, yeah. You're not going to lose strength. You're not going to lose your conditioning. It's all just going to, it's all relative at that point. Really, yeah. it's going to benefit you to have your body recovered and f- as fresh as possible going in. That's what you want. You want the freshness. Anna, did you feel that way? Um, yeah. And I've done competitions before. So I know how important it is to be like, well rested like you have to eat even if you don't feel like it like the first morning I woke up I like made sure to have like two things of oatmeal I had like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich I was like walking around eating cereal and like drinking my coconut water right and um I didn't realize this because on the last day on Sunday I was like I woke up and I was like oh like I think I'll be okay like I don't I don't need to eat anything and then like for sure like during the middle of the workout I was like holy fuck yeah. <laughs> I was like, I shouldn't breakfast. I was like, what was I thinking? Yeah. 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 Hi- hydration and getting your hydration, getting electrolytes, your, all that stuff. Oh my God. Did like, like that was the thing, especially with the older crowd. We, everybody would talk about how much water they drank the night before. Right. You, you, you just load up with yeah. so much hydration the night before. Yeah, you want to eat. Yes, you do want to have stores of energy in your body. But the hydration, that's how you, that's how you get recovery. It's getting yeah. those cells all plumped up. Yeah. That's what you want. You want some fat, plumpy cells. So once, <laughs> once, once you, you're there, you've done the events, um, and you're kind of like you're in the aftermath of it, and you're kind of processing everything, how do you feel about how it went, and what would you do differently? Now, obviously, James... We just kind of talked about what you. Yeah, you don't need to talk to me. Yeah, have a kid, you wouldn't go in like as you were. But having experienced the Waterpalooza this year, did anything become aware to you? Like, oh, next time I need to do this more. Anna, we can start with you on this. Yeah, let's start with Anna. Um, I mean, everyone knows that I work out a lot, so I, I didn't get sore. Like, I wasn't ever really sore like my upper back got like a tiny bit sore from doing legless rope climbs but other than that my my body felt pretty good because I was like that's I'm conditioned to take on more volume than I do over weekends of competition um what am I going to do this year I think I'm going to start swimming yeah because I wasn't scared to swim but definitely didn't do a good job of swimming well here's 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 my thing here's my thing and the other thing I want to point, point out Anna, is like, this was the first time you did team, right? You've always been individual before. I did team the last time I was at Waterpalooza too. I've never oh, gone individually, no. And how did you find team? Because you always train on your own. So how did you find team? These two girls actually met at a competition. Well, actually, that's a lie. I did the, the <laughs> competition I met these two girls at. We were all competing individually. Right. And then like just became friends in the warm-up area when we were like snatching or something. Okay. So how was it working with a team as opposed to training on your own? It was fun. I think it was more fun because we were all really good. So it was like easy to be like, okay, I'll do this and you do that and you do this. And like, when you're done, like we'll switch. So there was never really like, oh, you can't do that. So like one of us has to stay in longer to do what you can't do. It was very like, there was a good flow. And I think presumably you're at a disadvantage because some of these, some of these teams who are there train together all the time. Right. And you're kind of like, throwing it together yes would we have done even better like being able to practice as a team yes it all just kind of comes down to communication like beforehand and like you know all three of us like really understanding like 
what each of us are going to do. Right. Knowing each other's capabilities and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. And just being ready to like switch if we have to. Yeah. I think there was one team who did like really well on the like worm clean and jerk, which is like a, which is like a four person sandbag basically. Yeah. And you all have to pick it up at the same time and put it on your shoulder and then bring it to the other side and put it down. It's so like that requires like actual practice where we didn't really have that, but right. we still did okay on it. And when, when, you, when you'd both finished the competition, like, were you like, I can't wait to do this again? Or were you like, fuck this, I'm fucking over it? <laughs> oh, I'm already telling people, I was like, I can't wait for next year. Right. Because you're a nerd. Yes. You're a CrossFit nerd and you love it. James, how did you feel? Oh, no, I was, I was, I was amped up, ready. I, honestly, I was like, let's, go, let's get to the open. I want to get yeah. to the open. I want to see these guys on the leaderboard again. Yeah. Because I, 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 you know, I, I knew, you know, like you said, I mean, I, I knew my, my handicaps going into the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and, and, even, and I, even if that's not a handicap, like in your mind it is. So it's like, I know I'm not. Well, it, it wasn't, I mean, I, I finished third. I was second the whole weekend. Right. You know, so, I just, that, I just, re- I really wanted to beat the guy who won it. Yeah, I, it's I, like, so if you really can did. do that, if you can come that close when you're not yeah, training, like exactly. imagine what you can do when you, yeah. Well, that's yeah. the, that's the thing. And of course, you know, so I, I am like, I'll, I'll see everybody on the, I'll see you guys on the leaderboard, you know? Let's, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm um, excited. I'm excited. One, one, one thing that I, I, I do kind of think, um, kind of touching on what we talk, talked about earlier where it, it, there is so many different sports involved in this one sport and you have to be good at so many different things and now there's the whole fucking swimming thing and maybe even like cycling sometimes there's the the biking yeah. kind of stuff that at the, the um off-road biking kind of stuff it's like where the where the fuck is everyone meant to fit in all this time because it's not like it pays you anything like you're not getting paid by crossfit to compete so and the chances are you're not going to win any money and if you do it's not going to be very much yeah. um so when, how do you, how do you prepare your week so that you can swim and you can run and you can be in the gym and you can be out? How do you fit all this shit in so that it still makes sense in your life and not be like, this is just impossible. I can't possibly do all these, all these different things in, in, in a week. You become a coach at a gym. <laughs> That's it. That's how it. Do it. You become a coach at a gym. And so you have access to whatever you need, whatever you need. And you just know that you're going to be spending your whole day at a gym. Yeah. Don't have a baby. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's impressive. Even like Vellner, he must have like a, a really kick-ass nanny or something because yeah. that guy, that guy just, yeah. he looks so good. I'm like, where, how are you? You're not sleeping or did your baby yeah. just sleep or what? Happened? Cause that's a brand new baby that he just got. It's nuts. Yeah. I don't yeah. I think it takes, I as I say, it takes a village. So if you've got like either very supportive family members or. Yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. I mean, that's, that's, that kind of that's how he makes a living and he proven, he's proven that he can make a living doing right. it. And, and, it, and it, I think his wife and family all go, we will, you sleep and we will. Yes. Breadwinner. Yes. So. It has yeah. to be, it has to be that way. I mean, it really way. does. There's no other way of, of doing it. Or you get the guys in my division going, you know, that's a young man's sport. Right. <laughs> well, honestly, and, and I don't think it is in terms of like, and I had this, I had a, this uh, lady, Lekka Feynman on my podcast before, and she's a master's athlete as well. And I was saying, 
the most impressive thing to me about CrossFit is that people of a certain age are still doing it. And they are, I mean, to think that 60, 65 year olds, 70 year olds are doing this stuff. I'm, t- I'm look, talking, I'm talking and, about and, having, having babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like the, the, there is now an aesthetic and an ability uh, and a, um, you know, and a, a skill set in that age demographic that never existed yeah. before. No, I mean, no. It's it's yeah. it's so impressive to me that you yeah. know people are still competitive at a, a later age, and I think it's it is one of the the great things about CrossFit. Um, you know what's exciting about it too is that sorry to cut you off. No, uh, <laughs> what's exciting about it is that you actually what's impressive to me is is looking at the older demographic doing this type of fitness that yes. impresses me not some young kid no yeah it's like clean oh, and jerking 20... 315 for three that i don't care no it's i don't not, care you should be able cool. to you're young a 60 you're plus of, year yeah. old guy doing ring muscle ups and overhead squats you know yeah. whatever the weight may be but doing these things where mobility is very very limited yeah that's cool that's exciting that's cool. these women doing this stuff it yeah. really is yeah, I fascinating agree. it's fascinating yeah. james yeah. has really good mobility for an old man, you mean? Yeah, I hope that my mobility for an old, for an old guy, yeah, for, for an, an old, old dad. No, I've seen <laughs> I've seen James squat clean two seventy five, and it looks good. Yeah, yeah. Wait, uh, squat clean, squat clean is easy though. Yeah, it's overhead squatting overhead is that's the that's the hard part for old people. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the hard part. I mean, um, how do you guys? Uncle. How are you guys feeling about? Um, CrossFit in general and where, where it's going. I mean, obviously, we've seen so many changes in the last couple of years and no one's really been quite sure what's going on. And, you know, we don't have all the information about who's doing what or like what money's involved and who's sponsoring what anymore. But how do you feel about the, the company and the sport in general? And do you think it has plenty of, plenty of longevity or do you think it's doomed? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't, Anna, I don't, Anna, you want to take this? I don't think like that much is going to change. Like I, when they said that there was going to be no more regionals after 2018, I was like, fuck, I was like, CrossFit's over and we still have it. So I'm really, am not that worried about it. There are too many people who like it. Right. Yeah. James, I guess, it really, I guess it really depends on, it depends on how you see your, your future in CrossFit as an athlete. If you are gunning for the games, then it should really concern you what's going to happen next. If you are just like, well, I'll never get it to the games, but this is really a lot of fun, then you, you got exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be the same thing. Yeah. Hopefully, the pro- hopefully the programming is, is just on equal or better. I mean, hopefully yeah. that's the case. But it really comes down to if you are a competitive athlete at the highest level, then you have something to worry about because you don't know where it's going to go you don't know how the events are going to be uh scheduled you don't know if there's going to have these type of events anymore i mean a a lot of that kind of stuff is up in the air on that on that term but i think for the general crossfitter who who enjoys doing it i don't think there's going to be much to worry about i think it'll always be there yeah Yeah. i i think you're right and i think there are so many people that just enjoy the the fun the fun fitness side of it oh and it's so don't fun get, the community level yeah love it all it's it's and, fantastic yeah and i think yeah. sometimes too too much attention is played to the the politics or the the ownership or the management and it none of that shit really matters to the the average person who just wants to have fun and train every day um, well as you know everybody 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 wants to uh, imagine that they know everything 
<laughs> they got right, the finger exactly. on the pulse. I mean, you yeah. you see it, you see it like, well, so and so told me that this is what's going on. Well, so and so, everybody has their guess of what's happening in the crossover. We don't. Right. Nobody knows what's going on in the whole thing. I mean, yeah. I have a bunch of people that are on the inside. They don't even know what's going on. No, no one knows. Yeah. No one knows. No one knows what's really going to happen. I mean, like the, the text last night that, uh, that you guys were all talking and stuff. I mean, it's just like, okay, well, maybe. Then now, <laughs> maybe I mean, but like yeah. what uh, really, honestly, the, the boat can kind of like, it, the, the ship can kind of sail itself at this yes. point. It really yeah. can. Well, you really think- have to, you'd really have to fuck it up to, to sink the ship. Yeah. Really, w- and I think fairly early on, the people, the people doing CrossFit were better than the people running CrossFit. Um, yeah, like yeah. you know, the, the people, the 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 vast majority of the, the athletes who got really good at CrossFit were better than the people who started it. Like Glassman was never a great CrossFitter. Dave was never a great CrossFitter. Like all the all the people who were like. The, the, yeah, the sport, I mean, the sport was built. The quality of the sport was built by the people doing it. Um, oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Glassman couldn't be a great CrossFitter. He had, you know, cerebral palsy or whatever the his issue was. Right. Um. You know, and and uh, Castro, he he just lacked a lot of ability. He, ability, <laughs> but he he had a good mindset of that military mindset that that scheduling mindset that yeah. time domain mindset he that's what he did in when he was in the military he was the commander guy that set the the time signatures and keeping things in on a certain time frame that was what he did he was the, he was the structural guy that's why it worked so well with him coming up with the structurals and the time domain yeah. and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah. you know i mean will they find somebody to kind of fit those shoes i mean yeah i mean i'm sure there's somebody out there that was willing to to do that there's a lot of really great programmers out there i think i think I should take that back. Actually, a lot of really great ones. There's a very few really good programmers out there because it's like right. it's an art form. It is. It has become an art form. I mean, you go from the hopper, how it all originally started, which is throwing a bunch of bingo chips and hey, right, yeah, V five. You know, now it's now it's there's a there's there is a total uh, poetry to CrossFitting uh, programming CrossFit. I don't know who they're gonna get. Uh, is you know they, you said Boz is. Uh, going to be in on that position but i don't know who the programmer is going to be yeah be it'll, it'll, i don't think it'll be, it'll, I don't think it'll be boz but i think i think it is true that there are more good people involved now in t- from a kind of yeah because you, you the, the, yeah because crossfit you know you throw a, a wide enough net you're gonna you're gonna start to bring into yes. i mean we saw it from the athletic ability alone in just a 10-year span yeah going from the very beginning of people snatching 175 that was a games weight yeah to people are doing 300 pounds now it's because the net has now cast to a wider wider range of athletes that are out there they were already out there but now they know about it now and so they're coming in and so the ability yeah like you said is expanding everybody's ability is is increasing yeah so I yeah I think it'll stick around. I don't think it's gonna. Yeah, I think it'll stick around, and I think you know as long as you know people keep enjoying it and and keep you know keep doing it for the right reasons and the reasons that we all I think started so. Doing yeah, it in the beginning. I, yeah, I you see that happening, especially through the whole pandemic lockdown stuff. There was so much drama going on with it, and 
what direction it was going with all the, you know, people's nonsense of getting caught up with really silly drama. And, and that kind of, that put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth. And then you saw these people like de-affiliating and it was just, the whole thing was getting really silly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to see that it's, I I think it has recovered a lot since then. uh, And it's good to see everyone. Obviously we're seeing like a ton of people, uh, you know, not just in, in, in the CrossFit RX program, but in in all the programs just back in the gym, just wanting to get on with things, just wanting to get fit, wanting to be healthy. And that's exciting. It's it's great to see. And I'm I'm excited for, I'm excited for the open. We're going to be doing the open at, at at Faros. Um, I'm thinking about doing this thing where we'll do like a big, are you, are you affiliating this year? We're not affiliate. No, we're not affiliated, but we're going to do the open and we're going to do it um, on the, well, I might affiliate, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But You uh, might have the, a couple of people that are going to nag at you to do that. Yeah, I know, <laughs> maybe. Um, but on the Saturday, we're thinking of doing like a Friday Night Lights thing on a Saturday. I know it sounds Super weird. cool. But, um, but inviting anybody that wants to do the open can come do the open at Pharos for free. So anybody that wants oh, to, that cool. needs a gym, that wants to come train, yeah. will have access to visit. We, oh, we have a, you know, obviously we have a great facility. We have a big mm-hmm. facility. So anybody that wants to come do it, I'm like, just like everyone always did, like we'll judge each other and it'll just be like a fun time. I know some people want to video it if they want to be serious about it. And some people will sure, just do it for whatever. fun, sure. whatever it is. But I think we'll do like barbecue, we'll do beers and we'll do, you know, we'll just have a, a good kind of Saturday fun sesh. And, That's awesome. Um, just, just get everyone together. I think it'd be fun. You like that idea? You like when that, is that? When is that? Will you have a beer with me, Anna? Start, I don't know. It starts, <laughs> I think the open is February, like, February 20-something. February 23rd, is it? Second. Like end of Feb, anyway. I took a screenshot last night, actually. It'll, it'll be end of, end of Feb through March, and we'll do it every, every Saturday, I think. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, That'd I got some really cool, cool new stuff coming at the gym, some cool new setup. New toys? It'll, it'll help. New yeah. toys. New toys. Or more of, more of the same toys. But, more uh, of the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More barbells. More barbells. Well, listen, guys, uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, it's been great to speak to you both. Um, I enjoyed very much seeing you both in the Waterpalooza. And um, obviously, it's always good to see good people do well. And you both did so well. Um, and I'm excited to see more of you guys doing more great things in the future. And uh, yeah, Anna, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and James, James, I'll see you next time you're in you'll LA. See me, you'll see me soon. Yeah. All right, brother. Thank you, All Anna. Right, man. Thank you, James. Take Bye. care, you guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Uh, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for tuning in, you guys. Uh, as always, we are open at 13, 16 Glendale Boulevard. You can come see us anytime. Um, we have a great 22,000 square foot facility. Um, we'd love for you guys to come down, check it out, see what we're all about. Um, you can find us uh, on Instagram at Farris Echo Park. And yeah, feel free to swing by anytime. Until next time, cheers and take care. Bye. 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 Should I actually hang up? Yeah, leave. You can if you want. <laughs>